Greetings and welcome to Dr. Annette West Speaks. We are kicking off our first podcast today, speaking from the topic of beware. Don't let history repeat itself. I'm going to be sharing today on some voting history and its impact on disenfranchisement for minorities. Take a journey with me so that we will ensure that our history does not repeat itself. There was a time in history when every person was not afforded, allowed to vote in this country. To kind of set the tone, I want to focus on three amendments. They are the 13th Amendment, the 14th Amendment, and the 15th Amendment. The 13th Amendment to the Constitution was passed by Congress on January 31st, 1865. It declared that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. The 14th Amendment to the Constitution was passed by Congress on July 28, 1868. It declared that no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person, their life, their liberty or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. And the 15th Amendment to the Constitution was passed on February 26, 1869 and ratified on February the 3rd, 1870. This amendment granted African-American men the right to vote by declaring that the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of their race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Now be mindful of that the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th Amendments. Now, during this time of the 15th Amendment, in 1867, following the American Civil War, the Republican-dominated U.S. Congress passed the first Reconstruction Act over the veto of President Andrew Johnson. This act divided the South into five military districts, and it outlined how new governments based on universal manhood suffrage suffrage were to be established. With the adoption of the 15th Amendment in 1870, a politically mobilized African-American community joined with white allies in the Southern states to elect the Republican Party to power, which brought about radical changes across the South. But by late 1870, 
all the former Confederate states had been readmitted to the Union and most were controlled by the Republican Party. Listen to this. It was thanks to the support of the black voters. Now, in the same year in 1870, Hiram Rhodes Revels, a Republican from Natchez, Mississippi, he became the first African-American ever to sit in the U.S. Congress when he was elected to the U.S. Senate. And although black Republicans never obtained political office in proportion to their overwhelming electoral majority, Revels and a dozen other black men served in Congress during Reconstruction. And more than 600 served in state legislatures and many more held local offices. But look, even after all that was done by blacks, by African-Americans to help the party to be successful, in the late 1870s, the Southern Republican Party vanished with the end of Reconstruction and Southern state governments effectively nullified both the 14th Amendment passed in 1868 and the 15th Amendment. Remember, the 14th Amendment guaranteed citizenship and all its privileges to African-Americans. So now this has been taken away. Look, they have served, they have helped the party to be successful and they have held these leadership positions and even positions in the Congress. And now that is being stripped from them. And then the 15th Amendment, it also stripped their rights to vote. So now they were not guaranteed citizenship. They did not have the same privileges any longer as white people did. And now they were not allowed to vote. And so in the ensuing decades, various discriminatory practices, including poll taxes, literacy taxes, along with much intimidation and downright violence in some cases, were used to prevent African-Americans from exercising their right to vote. So think that from the late 1870s up until 1965, Blacks, African-Americans, did not have the same rights as white people that they had previously by our government. And so in 1965, the Voting Rights Act was signed into law by President Lyndon B. Johnson. Its aim was to over to help overcome all legal barriers at the state and local levels that denied African-Americans their right to vote under the 15th Amendment. However, it wasn't until the Voting Rights Act of 1965 that legal barriers were finally outlawed at the state and local levels. And blacks had the right to vote and it could not be denied to them. And Congress then came along in 1993 and it enacted the National Voter Registration Act, also known as the NAVRA, NBRA, and the Motor Voter Act. And it was to enhance opportunities for every American. The act was supposed to make it easier for all Americans to register to vote and to maintain their registration. 
Now, remember, our topic is be aware. Don't let history repeat itself. We've already seen how history has repeated itself from what I've shared with you. From being slaves to being free to then being put back under bondage again. Now free again. Where are we going from here? Well, look at our current climate and upcoming voting. Some of the things that are going on right now is a prominent um, stories in the news about voter suppression, about disenfranchisement for blacks, for Latinos, for Asians, for minorities. An article by Van Newkirk II says that voter suppression almost certainly helped Donald Trump win the presidency. He said that multiple academic studies and court rulings indicate that racially biased election laws, such as voter ID legislation in places like Wisconsin, favored Republican candidates in 2016. Like most other elections in American history, it just wasn't a fair fight. He also conducted a poll and it's rather assisted with a poll by the Public Religion Research Institute, the PRRI and the Atlantic. And in their report and their study, they uncovered evidence of deep structural barriers to the ballot for black and Latino voters, especially in the 2016 election. More than that, the survey find, found rather that the deep wounds of Jim Crow endure, leaving Americans' democratic promise unfulfilled. A poll that was also conducted in 2016 surveyed Americans about their experiences with voting, their assessment of the country's political system, and their interfacing with civics. The results, especially when analyzed by race, are very troublesome. They indicate that voter suppression is commonplace and that voting is routinely harder for people of color than for their white counterparts. Dan Cox, the research director at PRRI, told Nurk Newkirk, if you think about the idea of a stolen election, it fits easily into this broader narrative of cultural threat where perceived outsiders are taking something away from people who were already there. The, the, the um, poll and the study also went on to say that Trump's chances in 26 were likely turned um, by the approval and disapproval of some white um, voters, but mostly on how effectively state laws, access issues, and social penalties conspired to keep black and Hispanic voters away from polling places were the significant factors that helped Trump. They went on to say that the vast majority of black people are facing levels of anxiety and fear about the future because things that they are seeing in the media, the frenzies, the, um, the negativism, the looking down on people of color is impacting people's mindsets. The report said it's significant and I say the same thing. So beware. It is important that we pay close attention to what is going on. 
Reflecting on the distribution of the greater population, uh, the report also said that Black and Hispanic respondents were more likely to live in the American South, which is where I live. It said their voting patterns and concerns were thus likely to be affected by the region's history of disenfranchisement, as well as its newer voting laws and barriers that are being put into place. He said, for example, 37% of white respondents reported that their parents had taken them to a voting booth when they were children versus 24% of black respondents and 18% of Hispanics. In a region where, because of Jim Crow, it says that many middle-aged or older people of color may not have had a parent who was even eligible to vote during their childhood. Voting simply is not as established as an intergenerational civic institution as it has been in white communities. I would hope that as we consider that thought, that we would ensure that when we go to the polls, that we take our children with us, that we take our grandchildren with us, that we actually know what's going on in the news, that we actually have discussions with our children and grandchildren and others so that they will understand what's going on. For me personally, I think it is a great benefit to vote. There are, there are some things that can come along with voting, the outcomes. You hopefully get the candidate of your choice. Doesn't always happen, but hopefully you do. Um, your voting can help to ensure that people get better health outcomes. Your voting could help to ensure that um, employment is reduced in your area. Your voting could possibly help to um, towards lower recidivism rates. Many people do say that voting is a privilege. For me, it's a privilege because it's when I look back at what my ancestors had to endure in this country, to be able to cast a vote is significant for me. I can recall some of the stories from my grandmother, um, some things that my mother said when she was a young child and how my grandmother was treated. Um, I've heard stories from my husband's grandmother before she passed away. None that I will repeat on here, but it's very important that we understand why our vote is so important. Voting and democracy is very important to our nation because it provides us a voice. It provides us an opportunity to share our opinion based on what we believe. And it should also hold elected officials accountable for their behaviors while they are in office. And it should help to prevent minorities from being subjected unfairly to policies and rules that are slipped in by leadership. I wanna kind of move into like my local community. Think about your own community. If you are able to vote, you should begin to look into your community, look at your leadership. Oftentimes we look to what's happening in the White House, but we need to look to see what's happening in our own communities. What's happening with our school system? What's happening with our mayors? What's happening, what's happening local? What's happening in our police departments? What is going on? We need to have a clear picture of that. So we need to really focus and start looking at what's going on at our local leadership. And if local leadership is not a good fit, just, just like the presidency, if the person isn't a good fit, let's all jump in and vote so that we can have a shift in that. 
We need to get involved more. We need to be in the know. We need to let our voices be heard. We have to also be mindful. I'm in the South. I'm in South Carolina. But we need to be mindful that states surrounding South Carolina are having some major issues with voter discrimination and disenfranchisement against minorities, people of color, especially Blacks and Latinos. In a Newsweek article just last year in North Carolina, the Supreme Court struck down the disenfranchisement laws that Republicans were trying to put in place. We have to be watchful or history will repeat itself. In that case, the justices upheld a lower court's February 26 ruling that threw out two majority black U.S. House of Representatives districts because Republican lawmakers improperly used race as a factor when redrawing the legislative map after the 22 census. And so this is something that we have to be mindful of. That 22 census that was taken all over the United States, it showed where people of color are more populated. And if a candidate feels like your vote is gonna count against them, then they may try to do some gerrymandering and change some lines so that you're in a different area and your vote won't count. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, the North Carolina um, Republican legislature tried to rig the congressional elections by drawing unconstitutional lines, districts that discriminated among African-Americans, and that is just wrong. North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper, a Democrat who took the office in January, said in a statement, the decision really came in one of a number of lawsuits that accused Republicans of taking steps at the state level to disenfranchise black and other minority voters who tend to, to back Democratic candidates. Critics accused Republicans of cramming black voters into what the NAACP civil rights group called apartheid voting districts to diminish their voting power and make surrounding dis districts more white and more likely to support Republicans. Both districts are held by the Democrats. Of North Carolina's 13 representatives in the U.S. House, 10 are Republicans. Race can be considered in, so this is what we need to know. Race can be considered in redrawing boundaries of voting districts, but only in certain circumstances. So, you know, people can't just take a law and say it just applies. It has to apply in respect to how that is already written. And so that law, the Voting Rights Act, was enacted to protect minority voters. And it was enacted to address the, a history of racial discrimination, especially in the Southern states. So another example, this very prominent right now, it is in Georgia with the race between Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp. Recently, there's been an uproar about Georgia's approach to voter registration. The state's exact match law, which they passed last year, requires that citizens' names on their government-issued IDs must precisely match their names as listed on the voter rolls. Now, it's interesting because for many years, I went to the polls and I never had to show my... um my ID card, they always wanted my voter registration card. 
So you see how people slide things in. And so in Georgia, this law says if the two don't match, additional verification by a local registrar will be necessary. The Georgia NAACP and other civil rights groups have filed a lawsuit arguing that the measure, effective since July 2017, is aimed at disenfranchising racial minorities in the upcoming midterm elections. Georgia Secretary of State Brian Kemp, a Republican, and he is the one who is running against Democrat Stacey Abrams, Abrams has put on more, has he, what he has done with this law, he has put on hold more than 53,000 voters so far based on mismatches in the names in their voting records and others, other sources of identification, such as a driver's license and a social security card. So there's sometimes through the years I was Annette West and then sometimes was I was Annette M. West. So if I showed up with something that said Annette West and I didn't have anything else with Annette West, I was going to be in trouble based on this law that they passed. And so if this measure takes effect, voters whose information does not match exactly across sources, they will need to bring a valid photo ID to the polls on the day of election if they want to vote. This could easily suppress voter turnout, either because some voters lack IDs, because there was no law that everybody had to have a government ID, or because voters are confused about whether they are eligible or not based on things they're being told. Proponents of the rule assert that it is only to prevent illegal voting. In a recent study co-authored co with colleagues Ben Fifield and Kosuki Imai, they applied the uh, algorithm to the question of voter identification. The results raised serious concerns about Georgia's exact match law and its likelihood of preventing tens of thousands of valid voters from casting ballots. In their research, they worked on linking two nationwide voter files from 2014 and 2015 collected by L2 Incorporation. This is a national nonpartisan firm that supplies voter data and related technology for campaigns. All active voters in 2014 appeared in the 2015 data set, meaning that they knew a true match always existed. However, Many records had typographical discrepancies preventing exact matches. Georgia's records had a higher proportion of exact matches than found nationwide, but 30% of actual voters still failed to match exactly in that state. So an illustration goes like this. Using their algorithm, 91% of those on Georgia's voter rolls would be cleared to vote or 3,941,342 people could vote as eligible citizens. However, with exact matching, only 70% of the population would be cleared, meaning about 900,000 people would not be able to vote. This is definitely a major concern and something that definitely must be paid close attention to. And like I said, I live in South Carolina and I want to know what's going on in South Carolina and in the world. 
Well, for those of us who are in South Carolina, if you want to know what's going on with the South Carolina elections and the candidates, go to www.siway.net right slash sc dash elections right slash. This is great information. Just about anything that you would want to find an answer to, you would you can find it on this site. <clears throat> it's relevant. It's valid. And I'm sure that every state has a similar website that no matter where you're located, you could pull that up and go and find out. Listen, I know voting takes place on November the 6th, but it's not too late to read up on the candidates and what they stand for. We must stay informed of the issues that affect our community as well as our country. We don't want the, 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 the uh, underhanded and subtle things to create disenfranchisement for people that they cannot vote. We don't want rules slipped in where all of a sudden we're back and someone's trying to um, adjust the 14th Amendment and the 15th Amendment. We must stay watchful. And even when this election is over on the 6th of November, and maybe the person that you didn't want at that time um, got the popular vote or got the most vote or whatever you want to call it, we still need to respect the rights of everybody. We need to respect everybody's beliefs. I don't have to agree with you. You don't have to agree with me. We may not, ha we may not have the same opinion. Our opinions may vary, but it's yours and I have mine. And you're going to need some facts for me to want to shift mine. I'm not just going to take an opinion of someone else. But I hope that we will all pay attention, that we will really understand what, what the Constitution says, how the different laws impact us, and how, if we're not careful, that there may be a shifting back of some things. Because Donald Trump says that he wants to make America great again. I'm confused as to what that statement means. I don't know that America has ever been great. I believe America has always struggled. I believe America has always had ups and downs and shiftings. But I would really like to know what he means when he says, make America great. My America is great because I'm in it. And, though, and although everything may not be flowing the way that I believe that it should, I'm not going to let it stress me out. I'm not going to let it make me say my vote does not count. My vote counts. Your vote counts. Let us encourage everybody who is registered to vote. Because at this point, you can't register to vote. October the 10th was the latest that that could be done. But if you didn't register to vote, the next election after this, you will be able to if you get out there and you get your paperwork done. So I just want to sign out. Dr. Annette West speaks. Thanks for stopping in, listening to what I had to say on today. And if you have um, some thoughts you want to share with me, Shoot me an email, 
at Dr. Annette West Ministries at gmail.com. If you all also want to find out what I'm about, my ministry and different things, go to Dr. Annette WestMinistries.org and check out my webpage. And I look forward to speaking and chatting with you next time. Bye.